Welcome to POP on this first week in Advent. My name is Pastor Tony Katko, and this is a shortened version of our sermon from November 27th. This week's reading is from Isaiah. It's this well-known vision of peace, and the prophets believe the Messiah would be a part of bringing this peace about. So this is Isaiah chapter 2, verses 4 and 5. He shall judge between the nations and shall arbitrate for many peoples. They shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war any more. O house of Jacob, come, let us walk in the light of the Lord. There's this statue outside of the UN building in New York, and it's called, Let Us Beat Swords into Plowshares. It was inspired from this passage. And it shows this strong man with a hammer beating a huge sword into this flat shape that they could use for a plow. It's a beautiful image from scripture, taking these weapons of war and turning them into farm tools, things that we can use to cultivate life. And according to the prophets, this is where God is leading us. This is what God wants for the world. Now I'd seen this statue before, but I was curious about how it came to be. And so I looked it up And it turns out it was given to the United Nations in 1959 by the Soviet Union. So think about that for a minute. 1959, this is the heart of the Cold War. In the next two years after that, the Cuban Missile Crisis would heat up. And it looked like nuclear war was a real possibility. There was a generation of kids doing drills to hide under their desks as if that would prepare them for nuclear war. Also a year before this, in 1958, the US would deploy these Thor missiles, ballistic missiles in the United Kingdom, capable of reaching Moscow for a nuclear strike. So in the middle of this time, where we were the closest that we've come to annihilating ourselves as a species, the Soviet Union presents this gift to the United Nations depicting this idyllic vision of disarmament. Now it sounds really hypocritical and disingenuous, but I'm not so sure about that. Maybe I'm just naive, but I have to think they presented this statue because there were people in the USSR and in the US in power who wanted that vision. And maybe even they believed in it, that someday we'll have this everlasting peace. But at the same time, everyone in power accepted that for now, the path to that peace is through violence and deterrence and the threat of violence. That's the problem with this peaceful vision, you see. It's a beautiful dream, but it seems like it's just that, no more than a dream. So what could Jesus bringing peace on earth mean for us here and now? Now, when we say peace, we usually think that it means the absence of war. And it does, but in the Bible, the concept for God's peace, it comes from the Hebrew word shalom, which is a lot more than just the absence of conflict. Shalom really means being made whole. It's like the sense of living the way God intends us to live. So God's peace, this shalom, is about being made whole, first finding this inner peace, so that we can help make the world whole and create this outward peace. So we're going to look today at where this idea of peace is used in the story of Jesus. Luke's gospel uses the word peace more than any other, and so that's where we'll go. The first place we see peace in Luke is in chapter 1, before Jesus is born. 
Zechariah is the father of John the Baptist, the forerunner getting things ready for Jesus. And Zechariah makes this prophecy about his son and then about what the Messiah will do. And at the end of that prophecy, he says this, because of the tender mercy of our God, the dawn from on high will break upon us to shine upon those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. So it's saying for those who've experienced the world as a bad place, as a broken place without hope, the Messiah will show them the way of shalom, of peace to make it whole again. The next time we see the word peace is with the angels announcing to the shepherds that Jesus is born. And they say, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace among those whom he favors. So it's the same thing. Jesus will bring this shalom, this wholeness to the world. Then there's another prophecy when Jesus was still a baby. Simeon is this old man who was told by the Holy Spirit he would see the Messiah before he died. So when Mary and Joseph come to present baby Jesus at the temple, Simeon holds the child and says, Master, now you are dismissing your servant in peace, according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. So notice this, his faith in Jesus already brought Simeon this inner peace. Even though the world hasn't changed yet, he gets to see the Messiah, but then he dies. He doesn't actually get to see what the Messiah will do, but he trusts that this Jesus will make the world whole. The next time we see peace is in chapter seven. Jesus is having dinner at this Pharisee's house and a woman is there who pours expensive oil on his feet and before that she's crying and worshiping him and so she wipes her tears away from her his feet with her hair and the men at the table call her a sinner and she's known as a woman of the city now this is a greek phrase that scholars think probably means the same thing that we would say streetwalker this is talking about a prostitute and in roman times most prostitutes, people who were in the streets working, were not working, they were slaves. They didn't have any choice in the matter. And a lot of people would argue the same thing is often true today. So the men at the table are judging her for who she is. They're judging her for wasting this valuable oil and then Jesus comes to defend her. And then he turns to her after that defense and this is what he says, your sins are forgiven. But those who are at the table with him began to say among themselves, who is this that even forgives sins? But he said to the woman, your faith has saved you, go in peace. Now remember, if this is, if she's a slave that works on the street, after this encounter, what happens? She has no choice but to go back to continue working as a prostitute. So not all of her external circumstances are fixed. Her life is still rough. And yet Jesus says, your faith has saved you, go in peace she still gets this inner peace because now she knows she doesn't have to be defined by how other people are judging her. Yeah, they may call her a sinner and a streetwalker and all sorts of other names, but Jesus says she's forgiven and loved. Then in the next chapter, Jesus is walking through this crowded street and another woman had been bleeding for years and no doctor could help her. And so she touches the edge of his cloak and her, his power heals her. And she tries to hide for whatever reason, she doesn't want to be found. But Jesus looks for her and then finally she comes forward and he says, 
Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Like, there's no reason to hide. Whatever it is, you don't have to be ashamed of it. You don't have to feel unworthy of being healed. Go and be whole again. And then after that, Jesus sends his followers out on their own. And this is not just the 12, this is 72 of his followers out in pairs. And here's part of his instruction to them. Whatever house you enter, first say, peace to this house. And if a person of peace is there, your peace will rest on that person. But if not, it will return to you. So how are Jesus' followers spreading peace? It's through relationships. They're told to reach out to everyone you come across and offer them peace. So I wonder, do you have anyone in your life that brings you peace, that makes you feel whole? It's those people that when you spend a lot of time apart, it feels like there's something missing. And then finally, when you get to see them again, it's like coming home, it's like being filled up again. I think that one of the ways to spread the peace of Christ is to be like that, to be one of those people who fill others up and make them feel whole. So the last time Jesus speaks of peace in Luke is after the resurrection. He shows up among the disciples and says, peace be with you. And it isn't just a greeting. He's like, be whole again. And then he shows them his wounds in his hands and says, look at them, touch them if you want to. See for yourself, this is real. He knows there's something about seeing the resurrection for yourself. Not just hearing stories of hope, but seeing it for yourself. When we get to see these glimpses of God's dream becoming a reality, that's what brings us 